of Sharon, bright morning star, our healer, our provider. Oh, we love you tonight and we give you praise. You deserve every breath, Lord, of praise that we have. Lord, and we love you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Before I get started up here, I want to take an opportunity to say, to say thank you to every one of you who have prayed, who have texted, who have called us, who has brought us food. You are truly family to us. And we thank you for praying for Mike. He's here, still not back to his honorary self, but he's well on his way. So we give thanks for God for what he's done. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you. And, you know, we don't have a lot of family, but we consider you our family here. And uh, sorry, but you're just going to have to put up with that. We love you so much and thank you. I'm going to read, start with a text tonight, but it's not what I'm, I'm going to be talking about, but it goes into what I'm talking about. So if you'd put uh, 1 John, not, it's John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And it says, and this is the New Living Translation, it says, in the beginning, the word Jesus already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The word gives life to everything around us, and all life comes from him. So let me tell you tonight that Jesus is eternal life. Jesus is the creator of all things. Jesus is the only source of light, and Jesus is the author of life, and Jesus is the word and I want you to be confident that there is life and I want to repeat that there is life in the word of God and there is power in the word of God for every part of your life and for anything that you need do you believe that now I want to before I, I get started with this I want to tell you, I did not copy Brother Miller's notes from this morning. In fact, this morning I was just sitting there shaking my head because what I'm going to speak on is parallel to what he spoke on this morning, which was just confirmation to me that this was the word that the Lord wanted me to bring forth to you. So I want to go to 2 Kings 4, 8 through 37, and you don't have to stand but um, they're going to put the verses up here as we go through them. And the Lord wanted me just to read and to go through this passage of Scripture with you. And it will be familiar to most of you. And it's a scripture about a Shunammite woman and her encounter with a prophet named Elisha. And I want to tell you, this is a story of faith 
and persistence in a word that was given to her. Starting at verse 8, said, One day Elisha went to the town of Shunem, and there was a place he frequently passed through. A wealthy woman lived there. She had seen him many times pass through her city, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. And after that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. Then she said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. She was already discerning the presence of God in Elisha. So she says to her husband, let's build a small room for him and on the roof and furnish it with a bed, with a table, and with a chair, and with a lamp. Then he will have place to stay wherever he comes by. So in verse 11, one day Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to this upper room to rest. And he said to his servant Gehazi, Tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. So when she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, Tell her we appreciate the kind concern that you have shown us. We, what can we do for you? Can we put a good word in for you to the king or to the commander of the army? So later, Elisha and Gehazi, but first the woman replied, There's nothing I need, basically. You know, I have everything I need. My family takes good care of me. So in verse 14, later, Elijah asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? And Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son, and her husband is of an old age. Call her back again, Elijah told him. And when the woman returned, Elisha said to her, as she stood in the door, doorway, next year... At this time, you will hold a son in your arms. Elisha gave her a word. And here was her response. No, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like this. So why did she react that way? Maybe it's because she had been told this before and it never came to pass. Or maybe she was thinking about her age and I'm too old to have a child. But I want to tell you, I can identify with this woman. There's been words of promise that's been given to me that I can say are dead in my life because it did not happen when I thought that it should. Even having random people speak these same promises in confirmation, I got tired of not seeing it come to pass, and also, to the point, I did not want to hear about it anymore. Anybody been to that place? But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she and her son, just as Elisha had said, and one day when her child was older, he went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters, and suddenly he cried out, My head hurts. And his father said to one of the servants, Carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home, and his mother held him 
on her lap. But around noontime, he died. So she carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, who shut the, and then she shut the door and she left him there. Now, I don't know you, about you, but when I've read this before, I thought, this is really strange. This woman has lost her promise, has lost her miracle, and she's not even mourning over this child. And then she takes him into a room, lays him down, and not even in his own room. She took him to the prophet's room that they had made, and then she left and shut the door. So then I thought, I thought about this room that she laid him down in. And I'm thinking, why did she lay him down in the prophet's room? This room must have been a sacred place for her to lay her dead son because of her regard for Elisha being a holy man of God. This woman was not thinking about the situation at hand, but she knew that there was only one man that could help her. And this is when her determination kicked in. So in verse 22, she sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. And he questioned her, why go today? Is it neither a new moon festival or Sabbath? Is there something going on? But she said, it'll be all right. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. So she did not tell her husband his own son was dead. But in speaking to him, basically she told him, I don't have time for you. And in some way, I can see her putting up the hand and saying, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to talk. I don't have time for questions about this. I have to go. So this woman was determined. She was on a mission to get to the one who would understand her faith. She knew if she could only get to Elisha that everything would be all right. So in verse 25, she starts on her journey. Then she arrives Elisha sees her coming, and he sends his servant, Gehazi, to meet her. And Gehazi asks the woman, are you okay? Is your husband okay? Is your baby okay? And once again, she said, yes, everything is fine. Basically saying again to Gehazi, I don't want to talk to you. I need to talk to the prophet. So let me say something here. If you're in need of a word from God, if you're in need from a miracle from God, don't waste your time talking to people who do not understand your faith. Stop trying to explain your word from God with people who don't even know that you are what you're talking about and they don't believe you anyway. Jesus said, don't cast your pearls to the swine. Also, beware that sometimes the enemy will send people your way to discourage your faith and to make you want to give up. Either only talk to God 
or go find the people of faith. I'm also amazed of the people and, and the prophetic words, which are biblical, but some people would rather go and run around after a man to get a word for their lives and not even take the time to talk to God. God wants to talk with you. God wants to meet with you. He has a word for you, but you have to communicate with him. You have, a, have, have to have an intimate relationship with him. You have to have prayer time and in, in the word to receive a word from him. So when she came to the man of God at the mountain, and this is verse 27, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet and would not let go. And Gehazi began to push her away, but Elisha said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled, but the Lord was, has not told me what is wrong. Then she said, to him, and I can, I can hear her saying this to him, did I ask you for a son? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Then Elisha, discerning what was going on, said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff upon the child's face. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourselves live, I will not go home unless you go with me. She was saying, I did not come here for Gehazi. I came here for you and I am not leaving here without you. So here's what happened. Elisha returned with her. And let me tell you, some of us needs the tenacity that this woman has in our own faith today. So Gehazi hurried ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. And he returned to, to meet Elisha and told him, the child is still dead. And when Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there in the prophet's bed. And Elisha went in alone, Elisha went in alone and shut the door behind him, and he prayed to the Lord. Then he laid down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched him, stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm. Elisha got up. He walked back and forth across the room, and then he stretched himself out again on the child. And this time, the boy sneezed seven times and then opened his eyes. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi, call the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. She fell at his feet. She bowed down before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. The Lord is saying and wants me to say to you tonight, 
the word you desperately need for your miracle, for your word, that word has been spoken to you that may be dead to you. You need to find a place, that a sacred place, your place of prayer, your secret place. Lay these needs, what you need, at the altar and grab hold of the, hor- of the horns of the altar. This means holding on aggressively or clinging to life. In other words, don't give up. Don't give up. One other thing is the horns of an animal, which most of the hunters would know, is a symbol. They function and they represent strength and they re- uh, represent aggressiveness. They are also the power and the dignity of divinity representing warriors. It is time to stop being passive and being aggressive in the needs in our life. We need to read the word. We need to digest the word. We need to apply the word to our lives. We have to demonstrate the word and we have to speak the word. And let me tell you, if you are not in the word, word you're going to keep going in circles and be a weak person of faith. Determine in your mind, I am not letting go until of God until you come home with me. Only you can bring this thing to life. I don't know how long this will take, but I'm going to stay here till it comes. Not one week and give up. Not one month and give up. Not one year and give up. Not two years and give up. But know that your God and the promise that he is giving you, that he will bring it to pass. Not in your time, not in my time, but in his time. So if, if the musicians would come forward and, and the worship team would come forward, I want to take a minute and I want to put up a picture and you're going to recognize the person in this picture when they put it up. For many of you who know this woman, this is Roxanne Carson. She attends church here with all of her family. This woman... To me, she's an inspiration to me, number one. And number two, Roxanne demonstrates the faith and tenacity of the Shunammite woman in this story. Through the ups and the downs, she has held on to the horns of the altar. She has been a warrior despite what the doctors have told her, the results she's heard, and the words of death spoken over her life. Let me tell you, she has prayed on her own. She has prayed with her family. And when she needed people to pray alongside her, which we all need sometimes, it's nothing to be ashamed of. She chose people of faith, not friends, people who didn't know the word of God, what the word of God says, or even believe what it says. She chose people who could touch God, who could pray, who could speak the word of life into her situation. 
those who could hold her up in prayer and believe that her miracle will come to pass. And I stand here believing it will come to pass. And you know what? God is starting. He's answered prayer for her over and over and over and over again. He's been faithful to her for her persistence. For not giving in. If you ever see that woman, you would never think she has been through anything. A smile of the face, on the face, always saying that the joy of the Lord is my strength. People, we give up too easy on our miracles and our answers. She believes the word. She demonstrates the word through faith. She did not give up on her word and has not given up on her word. But she has stood up and said, God, I have to have you. I don't know how long this will take, but I'm going to stay here until my word comes to life. Can you hear me? You have to stay there like Jacob did in the 32nd chapter of Genesis. He needed a miracle and he stayed up all night and he wrestled with God. And even at the point, the Lord himself just said, let me go. And this is what Jacob said. I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. And in some of your situation here, the Lord wants to say to you tonight that you need to stand up, you need to take authority, and you need to trust His Word, and you need to say, no matter how long it takes, I will not let you go until you bless me. This is the kind of tenacity and determination the Lord is asking of me, and He's asking of you. He wants you to hold on to the Word. He wants you to hold on to the promises of the Word and have faith in Him no matter how long it takes. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by no answer. Don't be moved by what you have heard. Don't be moved by the doctors have told you. Don't be moved by the job report. Don't be moved by what's going on in the world around you. Have determination. Be aggressive like the Shunammite woman and said, I'm gonna hold on to my word and I am not letting go. If everybody would just bow your heads with me. Oh, Lord, have your way. I want to ask you, do you have a word that God has given you that has become dead in your life? If you do, would you raise your hands? 
Number two, is your faith dead? And the last thing, is there a miracle you need that you have given up hope on? want to take a minute let's just let's just focus on the Lord let's just let him minister to our hearts if there's anybody here that needs prayer tonight that needs people to help you pray for something that you need in your life that you have maybe it's something that's recent but maybe it's something that's been a long, long time and you need an answer. I want you to come forward and let Jesus minister to you. If you're tired,